It's time for Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2. People G2 was recently named one of the best places to work in Orange County, as well as one of the fastest-growing private companies by the Orange County Business Journal. Also been recognized in the Inc. 5000 list of fastest-growing privately-owned companies nationwide. People G2 is all about helping their clients with their people-related decisions by giving them the access to the best human capital, due diligence, and background checks. And now with our host, the host with the most from People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. My name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host for the next hour. We have a uh, slightly unorthodox show for you today. We're going to be talking to one guest instead of two. But uh, in case you're tuning in for the first time, the Talent Talk radio show features a wide range of guests who care about talent. On this show, we talk about talent in the, in the two specific ways that it comes up in business most often. First, as it relates to successful people and uncovering their secrets. And also, second, we talk about talent in relation to human resources and HR leaders and how they find the best candidates today. Hopefully that makes sense. Talent has to, those two meanings there. and We look to really explore talented people and how to find the best talent. My guests include CEOs, entrepreneurs, and HR executives, and I generally tell everyone at the top of every show that this really started from me going to shows, talking to people, meeting great people, and really wanting to learn more about them, and I wanted to bring that conversation out for everyone to listen to. Well, one of those people that really inspired that was my guest today, Kevin Kawaki. He is going to share a lot with us today about talent, about how he does things, and I'm really excited to really bring on one of these first conversations that kind of helped me bring up this idea of having this radio show and really talking to people on a one-on-one basis and let you all in on all the secrets. So before I get to, to Kevin today, I want to thank those of you who are turning in live. Don't forget to submit your questions via Twitter. Just uh, type in at PeopleG2, type in your question, and use the hashtag pound or at the at, uh, excuse me pound talent talk. And my producer Mike will feed me the best questions, and hopefully we can stump uh, Kevin on a few. Don't forget, you can also listen to the show via podcast on iTunes, and just go in there, subscribe, and the weekly show will just show up right into your phone, your iTunes, wherever it may be, and you can listen anytime you want that's convenient for you. With that said, let's get today's show started. Again, my guest today is Kevin Kowaki, the serial entrepreneur and founder of the Thursday Morning Thing. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. So tell everyone about yourself, kind of how you got started, and of course, you know, what you're doing now with that kind of exciting thing that you're doing with the Thursday Morning Thing. Well, you know, I appreciate you and uh, the relationship that you and I have built just from, you know, meeting back in uh, San Diego at the Inc. conference thought you were a really dynamic guy, and I, I loved how you asked such really great questions that I think a lot of people don't, and so I'm, I love that you're now like giving this out to your community of people and hoping that they get a lot from our discussion today, but you know, for me, and one of the things that you and I talked about that I think really intrigued you was this kind of mission that I've been on now that I understand business and entrepreneurship and really what makes people tick and, and how to become successful and how there's really like a pattern behind it. So, you know, back in 1997, I started my own uh, residential uh, mortgage practice and had no idea what I was doing and really struggled for the first three years, had no mentors, uh, didn't really know where to turn and really got to the point of frustration um, and now have built, uh, you know, 17 years later from then uh, almost, built a thriving practice that 
is bringing business in, whether rates are high or low or the housing market is up or down, it doesn't matter because of the positioning that I've done and the specialty niches that I've created that have really helped me weather the storms where a lot of people have struggled with it. And through all of that success and my study and my education and, and really being curious about others and how successful they've been uh, has resulted in me starting uh, my own group for entrepreneurs called the Thursday Morning Thing. Now, before you go in too deep into that, I think it's probably good to note, for you to have been successful through quite a tumultuous time with mortgages and to have found some success in, in really applying some unique strategies, some different strategies, is probably something we should stop and, and, and maybe talk about for a second. Because I can't tell you how many people I know that were in mortgage and are no longer in mortgage. People right. who own companies who are, went out of business. If I had a dollar for every person I know who fits that category, I'd be a millionaire. So for you to have been successful in that is really an accomplishment. Maybe you could talk a little bit, maybe expand just a little bit on, on, on maybe some of the things you're comfortable sharing on how you really were able to do that before we get to the Thursday morning thing. Yeah, that sounds great. So in my mortgage practice, you know, when I, the first thing that I did, and this was when I was young and, and, you know, naive and really didn't know what was going on, is I really wanted to make sure that whatever I did, uh, that I could go home and I could put my, my head on the pillow at night knowing that I took care of my clients in the best way possible and advise them in a way that I would want to advise my mother, my brother, you know, somebody who's uh, very close to me. And so there were a lot of times that I lost out on business because I didn't get caught up in, you know, these games of, okay, here's my rate and closing costs. And then, you know, they call another guy and he comes back and says, well, this guy will do it for a hundred bucks less. And I always told people that I gave my best offer right out of the gates and I would never compromise that and it's one thing that I believe that people really respected me for and granted I didn't get everybody to do business with me but we they always walked away you know knowing that I wasn't there trying to sell them uh, because for me I always believe putting my best offer forward is the way that you should do business and that's my own personal opinion about it and that has carried me through, like you said, these you know really crazy times where people have come and gone, gone out of this industry, like it's it's going out of style, and it's happening again in this market with uh, the rising interest rate market. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's one of the big ones. That's one of the big ones. That'd be another big challenge because I'm not sure it's it's been. I, I'm not sure if you've ever been through a rising rate type of a scenario because for so long it's been either the dropping rates was it or it was the rates were holding low and it was a lot of scare tactics that people were doing that you better hurry up and refinance before they go up and but it was so long <laughs> they were flat or barely changed now to finally you may have to start tackling this whole new vertical of you know as the rates are climbing how do you how do you be successful We've actually been through several of these. Okay. This one probably the most significant only because of, of how low the interest rates got. I mean, you know, you had people who were who were locking into 15-year fixed rates in the twos, people on 30-year rates in the threes, and, you know, once you get there, it's hard to ever want to give that up. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, people tend to not want to sell houses as fast anymore because they, got, they have these really great rates, and so their cost of living would go up if they sold, and now they got a rate in the fours, the fives, whatever the case is going to be. But we've actually seen a number of these, and it has been a weeding out process 
in our industry, I would say most specifically between probably, you know, the 2000 and between 2005 and now, there's been at least two or three that has uh, really pushed people out. And, and now more than ever, though, the, the strong are definitely surviving. So you took those lessons, things that you really had to develop and, and find out for yourself or through whatever process, and now you're in a position to be helping other entrepreneurs, and that's really the Thursday morning thing. So maybe you can kind of walk us through that. Sure. So one of the things that uh, in my mortgage practice is that I was willing to spend time and money to test a number of different things. And another one of the big reasons why I believe that I was successful in my mortgage practice is because I wasn't the guy who was solely relying on, oh, here's my rate, here's my cost, I got the lowest in town. Well, everybody says that, who, who believes that? And so I've created really interesting niches in my mortgage practice where I developed a divorce and mortgage planning program where I helped individuals who were experiencing a divorce because I've been through one personally and I know how awful it is, where they could make sure that they maintain their credit and they could understand the possibility of keeping the home, you know, so that their kids would have some form of familiarity with a, a changing circumstance and, and really give individuals hope that everything is going to be okay because I was able to share my story of how I went through this really difficult time and my life is still amazing and continues to get better over time. I've gone out and I've done the lecture circuit where I go to all the major universities, colleges, tech schools, and I teach kids about credit responsibility and debt management uh, and how to buy their first house and how to be personal successes. And I still have kids today who are like, man, I, I saw you seven years ago, eight years ago, nine years ago, and I loved your stories and I want you to be the guy who helps me buy my first house. And now I do that with uh, graduating uh, residents from medical colleges. We have a, a really large medical college here in the uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin area, uh, Medical College of Wisconsin. And every year I come in and I teach those kids, you know, what it's like to buy their house. So by developing these niches and really putting the time and effort to market them and become experts in each of those fields, I've learned just invaluable lessons that I now teach. And so back in 2006, I really got tired of the typical networking events that were going on. Nobody was there to do any business. It was like they were either one <laughs> trying to, to not go home to their spouse or they right. had no one to go home to or Lord knows what reason it was. And I was there to do business. I was there to meet really great you know, referral partners. And I just I couldn't take it anymore. So I said, forget it. I'm just going to start my own group. And I uh, had no idea what I was doing, never formed a group for, especially something, you know, where it's on a month-to-month -month basis, which is what I do. And I uh, had 37 people show up to my first one, and I did it all just by pounding the phones and calling everybody I knew and said, hey, here's what I'm doing. You know, come and support me and then, uh, you know, see what it's all about. And from there, it was, uh, it was a big learning lesson of, uh, of you know, I'd have some, some months where there were 8, 10, 12 people showing up. And now today, after I've really figured out what it is that entrepreneurs really want uh, out of me with all of my stories that I have, is I have anywhere from 80 to 110 people a month now that show up to my live event. It's been a really, really great ride. And, uh, and so at the Thursday morning thing, I've turned it into a two-hour monthly event where people show up, and it's like a really big think tank. Everybody comes in. They know they're there to share ideas. They know they're there to help. They're there to feed off of the positive energy that's going on. And to a person, I believe if you asked any of them, they would say it is like 
the one thing that they have on their calendar that they just will not miss each and every month because of, of how much they get out of it, not just content, you know, delivering the message of the month, but the interaction, the business relationships that uh, they're able to build now, and the results. Uh, I get email after email, month after month after month, about how people have doubled their business, tripled their business, uh, and it's all because of just being associated with the right people. And, and you know that. That's why you're doing what you're doing now, which, which yeah. is what I love. Yeah, it's very powerful, very, very powerful. And before we hit our first commercial break here, uh, maybe you could kind of enlighten us into, I'm sure, with all of the interaction and the people that you're seeing in that Thursday morning thing group. Is there particular places where you see people failing all the time? You, 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 almost like you can walk in the door and you can just tell, you know, or the first things out of their mouth. Is there some common things that you see happening on a regular basis? I, I believe there's a lot of them, but I think there's two really key factors that I've witnessed after meeting, you know, thousands of people at this point in time. And, and those two are belief, belief that they can really build the business they always thought they could build, and, and execution. Most people have this sense of not being able to take action for some reason. And when you can break through that barrier and get them to take chances and really create you know, systems and deliverables and, and, and collateral material that they need to really grow their business, to make sales calls, whatever the case is, and they really start to execute on a regular basis, that's when things go crazy. And, and one of the reasons of developing the Thursday morning thing is I wanted people to have a place to show up where they didn't feel alone. Because being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely place. <laughs> yeah, very, very. All right, well, let's take our first commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more with Kevin about belief and execution and what people can do to be successful after this uh, quick messages. like to lose everything your job your home your family your dignity this has happened to thousands of the men women veterans and young adults we serve at working wardrobes what do we do to help we provide career development services life skills workshops job skills training we provide the perfect interview outfit and we get clients placed in jobs call working wardrobes 714-210-2460 donate volunteer invest hire When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. And now back to Chris and his guest. All right, we're back with uh, Kevin Kowalki, and we're talking about the Thursday morning thing. 
one of the two little topics that uh, Kevin just brought up. We're talking about where people fail the most often when he's in his groups as sort of a mentoring group here with entrepreneurs is belief and execution. And maybe we'll talk for a second here about belief. And I think that there's two types of, of problems there. You have people that I see that do not believe in what they're doing because they are afraid to fail. And then you have people that do not believe what they're doing because they shouldn't, because what they're trying to sell is really bad. <laughs> you know, it's, right. not, it's not a good service or not good a product. So, right. you know, do you see one that kind of topples over the other? Yeah, I would say the biggest problem that I run into is people are so afraid to not do something right, to say the wrong thing, to send out a direct mail piece that doesn't, you know, return any cash, right. you know, where they're almost living on this shoestring of life, not just of money, but of confidence. And I'm a big believer in looking at failures, uh, you know, not to sound too cliche, but that there's a learning lesson in every one of those. And I've failed plenty of times, trust me. And I almost push myself now to the limits to want to fail because I know how much stronger I'm going to be, how much better I'm going to be, because what happens is is that when you push yourself to that brink, it opens up your eyes to some things that you maybe weren't paying attention to that takes what you're delivering, whether it's a, a product or a service, and it allows you to then rethink it, reposition it, and make it from just a good product or service to something exceptional and extraordinary. And, you know, people are just so afraid that the world is going to end if they do something wrong and, and they just don't realize that it's not that bad. <laughs> right. And, I'm, Chris, I'm sure you've, you've been there just like me. Oh, absolutely. I mean... I think many times I've had people ask me how I did something or, you know, why I was able to be successful in a particular area. And usually it's a, a mountain of stories of failure to finally have gotten to a, a particular point or to found something that worked. And maybe it works for a while and then it begins to fail and you have to retool it again. And I think many times people do not recognize the fact that success is usually a product of failing over and over and over again until you find the right way to do it, and then to continue to experiment and to work on that and to really keep up that pace of failing to make sure that you can be successful at the right moment. And it's tough. It's really tough to keep doing. And sometimes you want to just go with what's easy. Um, but I'm I'm sure that's something that most entrepreneurs who have had some success will probably repeat back. That they tried so many things so many times until they found what worked. And and that usually means failing nine times before the tenth time you something actually clicks. Right. You know, I think of the story of failure, uh, you know, the, the inventor of the Dyson vacuum. You know, if you read that guy's story and he talks about just the unbelievable amount of times that he just didn't get it right. Mm-hmm but that he just kept going and he kept pursuing it because he knew that the the solution was there for this, you know, incredible machine that could change that industry. And, and look what happened. I mean, that company, the Dyson Company, right. it's, just a, a, it's just a huge success. Well, how about baseball? I mean, if, if you're only slightly less of a failure than everybody else, you get paid millions and millions of dollars, right? If you bat 300, you, you, you're failing seven times. Right out of ten, and you get paid twenty million dollars a year, or I don't know what the contracts are now. They're ridiculous. Absolutely, you know. Yeah, base, and baseball is a really good example to tie into this. You know, when you talk about that whole fear of failing, is 
you know, I, I recall when I was a kid, I was a big baseball um, player, and I played in college, the whole deal. And I remember when I was a kid, the, the thing that I was most afraid of was getting hit in the face with a baseball because mm-hmm. I was a shortstop. And as soon as I, it happened to me the first time, I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. So then I was willing to go back for some more abuse and to put myself in the ring. And I think that's what's so important is that I, I, I would encourage any business owner any business professional to go out there and intentionally try to fail so that you you can really get a sense that it isn't that bad. Yeah, like we, we do some email marketing and we'll look at how do you come up with the right subject line? And so I, immediately we've had meetings about this. People will try to develop what's the best possible subject line. And I've had to say, no, 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 no. We need to come up with 10 really good ones that, you, that, you, that might have a chance at working. Just 10 good ones, and then we test them and see which one actually turns out well, because a bunch of them should fail. But you don't know what will end up being a success. You don't know what will get people's attention. Um, And if you remove that need to be successful one time, one out of one times, you can generally find quite a few surprises. Oh, you bet. And I appreciate when I fall on my face on things because then I get to go talk to a hundred of my people every month and tell them about it because I'm not afraid to talk about it. Right. I show them the lessons that come out of it, which is again, another, you know, huge benefit of surrounding yourself with people and somebody in particular who you can really, you know, catch that energy from and, and recognize, man, Hey, if this guy can do it, cause I'll tell you, I'm not, I'm nothing special. I'm just a guy who's got the guts to go make it happen. Right. So, you know, with your kind of a unique set of experiences here, surviving through the mortgage ups and downs and and still having a successful business and then going out and really starting a great group that really worked for you and turned out that a whole lot of other people thought it was great as well. Uh, And I think I've used the word great about 5,000 times today. I'm going to have to get up my synonym dictionary. You know, how has that kind of impacted you, especially in your leadership development? I mean, were you different 10, 15, 20 years ago from your leadership skills to where you are now? Absolutely. The one common denominator that I've always had that has developed exponentially is I always knew it was about the people. I just, early on in my career, I didn't know what that meant. I just knew, gosh, man, go out there and treat people right and everything will be okay. And so I intentionally go out of my way to try to make each individual, whether it's a mortgage client of mine, whether it's a member of my Thursday morning thing, or any of the other business ventures that I'm, I'm invested in, and I want to try to make them feel special because I believe the world right now is so me-centered and selfish that it's as if nobody cares anymore. And so my focus is really on empowering people to believe that they can accomplish whatever it is they set out to do. And, you know, when, when I get into situations and I help people by really advising them and helping them to see the solution so that they can select the choice of product or service so they don't feel they're being sold to is huge. You know, I, I, I tell all my members on a regular basis, I cannot remember the last time that I've ever had to sell my mortgage services because of how I've helped people recognize that they have the ability, if given the proper knowledge, to make the right decision for themselves. And that, to me, has been one of my biggest successes prior to that, without knowing, is I was always like a math guy, right? Like dotting my I's, crossing my T's, here's the technical, this all makes sense. 
when people, as you know, and, and studies have been done on it, is that most consumers aren't making logical decisions. They're making emotional ones. Sure. And so to be able to recognize that as a value in my leadership skills uh, has really been important for me because I really believe in the relationships. You know, as an example, for my monthly events, I have people RSVP, so I, you know, make sure I have a, a, an idea of how many people are going to be there, make sure we got food and drink and all that kind of stuff. And the one thing I do, and this blows people's minds all the time until they get used to it, is I reply with a personal note to everybody that RSVPs. It's not a, hey, click here, and all of a sudden you see, okay, there's 84 people showing up. If 84 people are showing up, I've responded to all 84 of them and said something to them to get them excited to be there and to let them know I know that they're going to be there. You know, those are things that I just feel are of value and are part of my own core values that I think are important with regards to building a really strong business. Well, and that kind of personal touch and really interacting people on a on an interpersonal level is not something that we see a whole lot of these days. I mean, you kind of mentioned the the me and the very selfish, you know, kind of overly self-centric kind of society we're living in today. I think that that can really set you apart, right? Whether it's Absolutely. for which whichever or the group of the business, but I think that really can show people a great example. It can show them leadership on how you really should be treating your clients by you treating them that way and certainly making a small dent into this maybe change in society that may, maybe there's there's some hope, right? <laughs> there's, there's always hope. <laughs> we just need enough guys like you and I and, and the gals out there who really do want to make a difference, and we just got to get behind each other and support, you know, what we're trying to do to, like I, like I like to call it, you know, really restoring America's entrepreneurial soul because entrepreneurs have just un- unfortunately been really beat up of late. Mm-hmm. So I'm on a mission to change that. See, so I really what a lot of what you've been doing here is talking about indirectly is the level of passion. I mean, you enjoy what you're doing, you enjoy that interaction, you enjoy helping people. So when you're looking at these people who are in your groups, does it ever, do you ever kind of notice that maybe they're, they don't love what they do and that's partly why they're not successful or maybe the opposite, that you're noticing someone is really successful and it doesn't help you, it doesn't hurt that they really love what they're doing as well. I mean, does that ever come up as a part of your focus? It does, and and I believe I have potentially a, a little bit of a contrarian view on this because how many times do we hear all of these you know gurus get up on stage and write books about how you've got to you know you got to love what you do and you got to be passionate about it and you know all this kind of stuff and and I I tend to disagree with that and and I and it's because I, I take it a little bit further. So I believe that everybody who wants to get into business and, and start a business, start a new business, whatever it is, is I believe you have to clearly define the mission that you're about to embark on as well as the true purpose behind it. Because I, 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 don't, I don't believe that you can go out and sell what it is that you want to sell without being able to clearly define that. So like when I started the Thursday morning thing, my clear mission on that was to create a space for the right people who got together for the right reasons to do good stewardship for their communities and, and put that in a learning environment rather than a you know typical networking event which don't work. And so that has evolved over time. But I don't believe you have to necessarily love the product or the service that you're selling. I believe what you have to love is the outcome. 
And for me, the outcome is always about how does the person feel who bought what it is that I sold them, product or service, how do they feel after that? Did it enrich their lives? Did it solve a problem? And I believe if you, can, if you love the outcome and you know how to define that, then you go back and you find the best vehicle to make that happen, the right product, the right service. So I believe you, you have to love the result, not the mechanism that gets you to the, to the end result. Well, you've identified something that's important that we've had other guests talk about, that you don't necessarily have to love. I mean, the way I frame the question, it's almost an entrepreneur or CEO type of a question, but you can look anywhere along uh, within a company where people are working, and they don't have to. I mean, if they're selling uh, porta potties for events, you don't have to enjoy porta potties, right? But you can enjoy <laughs> your part of that job, which might be the customer service, the sales, uh, delivery. I mean, there's all these different parts of that process that you can love, and you can love the outcome, as you mentioned, about where you need to be. And and that really is what makes a difference. But before we go into this any deeper, we need to take another quick commercial break. We'll be right back with Kevin Kowalki on the Talent Talk Radio Show. Talent. Talent Talk Radio Show is brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping you with their people-related decisions. They do that by providing access to the best human capital, due diligence, and background checks on prospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and much more. People G2 has been recently named one of the best places to work right here in Orange County, as well as one of the fastest-growing private companies by the Orange County Business Journal. They've also been recognized in the Inc. 5000 list of fastest-growing privately-owned companies nationwide. So if you want to learn more about People G2, it's pretty simple. Just go to their website, type in www.peopleg2. That's People G2. Or you can check them out on Facebook or Twitter them at People G2. All that and more coming up right after this. More stuff to the left, got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sink. With Smart Stop, I leave the stress at the door. Cause it's the smarter way to store. Smart Stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart Stop, the smarter way to store. All right, let's head back to the show with Chris Dyer and his continuing conversation with his guest. So, Kevin, we've been talking about passion and, and what we love, and I'm not going to give you a chance here to kind of uh, respond to what I said about you know loving kind of that what you're doing, not necessarily what you're selling or whatever. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you're right in, in your example of you know selling the the porta potties is great, right? Because who wakes up one day and says, "Man, this is going to be the most amazing thing ever," right? Like yeah. <laughs> somebody's just dying to call me to buy these things. But when you look at it and you put it into perspective, the service that you're providing really is huge, right? Because there's so many benefits to this particular thing. And so, yeah, I I, I love that your other guests are spreading the same 
the same message because it really is it, it really is what the message should be it shouldn't be this whole thing about you know because I, I think it gives false hope to people you know somebody lo- loves fish and they have a fish aquarium you know that takes up an entire wall in their house doesn't mean that they're going to be able to go out and sell fish to people you mm-hmm. know so i so it has to be so much deeper than that right and that's par- and that's part of the issue is that so many people get into business for themselves and as you know you know they end up creating this really stressful job for them because they get sold on this you know this whole whimsical fancy of how amazing it's going to be to control your own destiny this that and the other and nobody's telling them the real deal and telling them to figure out really why the heck they want to get into what they're doing so that they have a real reason as to how to get to that end point. Oh, that's a great point. You know, to kind of transition a little bit here, I wanted to talk maybe a little bit more about you specifically uh, and, and maybe some of your own leadership development and things that you're doing. Is there a, um, you know, maybe a particular person or, or event in your life that maybe had the greatest impact on your own leadership development and maybe why that is? Yeah, you know, that's a, a really great question, and and I've thought about that a lot because I, I get this question actually on a, on a regular basis. You can just say my name anytime if you want when you're out well, and talking sure, to yeah. people, right? Yeah, you definitely inspire, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> but, you know, the big thing for me and, and where I really see that I have the clarity that I have now and I realize the impact that I'm truly having is it really comes down to uh, my dedication to my my faith in God. I have a, a very strong faith. My biggest, the biggest leap that I had was when I finally accepted that I truly was blessed with a gift to help people. You know, I have this ability to be able to go into somebody's business and see opportunity that they just can't. And I don't know why that's happened, but for somehow, some reason, I've been blessed with it. And so part of my biggest challenge was accepting the fact that I could take this talent and share it on a really, really big scale. And I fought that for a really, really a really long time, you know, self-doubt and can I really do it? But example after example of example kept showing up about how I continued to help people double their business, triple their business, sell more than they ever thought they could sell before. And so for me, it's really helped me to focus on the fact that I do have this talent and now I don't really follow anybody in particular, but I consume information on an epic level. Mm-hmm. And if you if you ever are over at my house, and anytime you're in Milwaukee, Chris, you you, you I'll I'll be there. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll go hang out. But uh, every room in my house has a minimum of one book, usually about seven, with a bunch of magazines, the whole deal. From my kitchen to my bedroom to my sunroom, they're everywhere. In fact, like right now, I'm in the middle. I have, I'm literally in the middle of nine books. I have like seven magazines going, and I'm always voraciously reading. Because for me, that's where my inspiration comes from. It's not necessarily from a, a man, a woman, a, you know, a successful uh, CEO or anything, because I believe everybody who's willing to give an opinion, write an article, or something has a story to tell that I could take and use as a catalyst to spark a brilliant idea. So what are you reading right now? What are some of those books that are laying around that are really catching your attention over the others? Yeah, I made a list of uh, a number of them. 
uh, because many of them are very similar, but a, a few that, that have uh, some real big impact on me. So um, the one that I just recently purchased that I'm, I just can't put down at the moment is a, a book called Flowing Streams, and it's by Stuart Briscoe. Uh, Stuart Briscoe founded one of these um, mega churches in my area, and he actually for, for a while was, was known as one of the top ten speakers in the world. And nothing to do with, with religion at all. But if you study this man, he is one of the master storytellers out there that gets you so engaged and so captivated in the message that he has to deliver that you just you literally can't stop listening to him and you're waiting for him to get to that that final moment where he shares the brilliance. And for me, I've always taught my members and, and anybody who, who's willing to listen to me, that you have to be a really great storyteller in mm-hmm. order to have a real big impact. So I study people who are really great storytellers, uh, like Stuart Briscoe in this case. So that's one. And then I uh, recently just picked up uh, Contagious by Jonah Berger. And the reason I picked that one up is, you know, the what what I found in that is that he's talking about people and their habits and and what is it that gets people so intrigued about something in business that they just can't help but to talk about it. And and I love to study people. That is where I believe I've gotten a lot of my success is studying people and their habits and the way they speak and, and what really uh, allows them to remember you a moment or whatever the case is. Uh, and then I just recently pre-ordered uh, Johnny Carson um, by his uh, longtime best friend and, and attorney, Henry Bushkin. comes out on October 15th. And uh, Johnny Carson, to me, is somebody that I believe anybody in business should study. You know, here was a guy who was brilliant at engaging large numbers of people, even though on the personal side, you know, he's famous for, like, not even wanting to be in a room with 10 people. Right. <laughs> without, you know, feeling really awkward. Uh, because Johnny was an entertainer, he was a storyteller, he was captivating, he could talk to anybody on any level from an intelligence standpoint. So I've studied, you know, I've bought DVDs of his and, and just studied him and how he delivered his material and how he was self-deprecating and, and also made fun of other people without making them feel bad, you know, so there was a lot uh, going on with that. And then, you know, magazines, Inc. Magazine, Fast Company, um, I, I learn a lot from cooking magazines, actually. Uh, there's one in particular called Cook's Country, and it's just uh, it's a, a different twist on, uh, on a cooking magazine that they don't do any advertising. It's all content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they sell, you know, more cookbooks and DVDs and stuff on the back end. So it's a huge learning lesson, you know, from a business standpoint. And then another book that uh, I thought was really great about the consumer was Unthinking by Harry Beckwith. That was a great book. In fact, I did a, a summary for my group um, on that one because it was uh, there was a lot of really fascinating stuff in there. And, and the list can go on, you know, Chris. I mean, I literally yeah. have so many uh, that I've started on. But those are some of the big ones that I've really been excited about that that I've uh, that I've really gotten a lot of a lot of content out of them. Well, and it's it's really unique that you're able to take that time to really read that much and ingest that much i find that i you know if i come well the ink conference where you and i met i think i came home with five or six books and i've been able to read two and i, I did add that six into a pile of 20 um sure. you know that i already had going but i i find sometimes struggling for that time you know running a business a radio show and kids and a family everything to be able to have that moment to really digest something because you can't for me i can't just sit and read it 
like I would a, a good story. If it's business, if it's something I need to learn from, I really slow down and really try to digest those the intricacies of small things that, that are there for you to learn. That takes longer for me. I don't know about for anybody else. But, you know, reading nonfiction, let's say, is a much slower process than reading fiction. Yeah, that time is, is always a little bit there. So Right. Yeah, and, I, and I, I struggle with the same thing in, you know, how I've developed my ability to get through books and still get a ton of content out of it is, you know, I, I the first thing I do is, I you know, I do my best to scan the chapters to really find out if there's any that I just got to get to because I don't really believe in having to read it cover to cover. Right. Um, I bounce around all the time. And then the other thing is, is, as I'm in a chapter, you know, if I'm not engaged within the first two sentences, I just move on. I go to the next main, main topic and I keep going. So are there things I miss? Probably, but it doesn't matter because... I'm consuming so much mm-hmm. that I'm that I'm getting it somehow, some way, and so that's how I go through books really, really fast uh, because I'm not a speed reader. In fact, I think I read really slow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think I think everybody just needs to learn that you don't have to read it all, and you just have to like get really good at scanning and and yeah. finding that that one idea. Yeah, and I think one trick that a lot of people don't uh, take advantage of is if you really need to digest a particular topic. I mean, let's say you want to figure out how to motivate your sales team and you've got five books. A lot of times there's really, really good summaries out there for free. Sometimes you can buy for a couple bucks and you go and you read the summaries of the five books and you decide which one makes sense and seems like it's a really good and then you go buy that book and you can digest it to a much deeper level instead of reading just one book very slowly and only getting one perspective. I, I read. I probably have read more, read more summaries. This may come to my cliff note days in in high school, but um, you know, you read something and get the general idea and general point, and then and then you go explore that topic farther. That that that's always been successful for me. Absolutely, and I, I know there's one out there, and gosh, it's escaping me right now. That has really become well known for the book summaries. I think they do like eight to ten page summaries. Mm-hmm. And they've done a nice job. I can't remember if it's like a executivesummary.com or something of that nature. But if you just, you know, if anybody does a search on the internet, you'll find them. And you're right; it's a it's a really nice way to do it. Uh, and in fact, you know, you could even if you if you really wanted to get through some books and couldn't find a place, go pay someone to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Tell them it's a project. Go get an intern. Go get a you know a kid in school and say, hey man, you know, do this for me, and I'll teach you and learn along the way. There's lots of ways to get it get it done. You know, one job I had very early on, I was I don't know junior or senior in high school. My uncle had me read uh, these books that he had had his would give to his staff, but he had me develop questions like multiple choice questions that they would have to answer to see how how well they had read the book or how much they understood or how much they comprehended. And as a nice, you know, kind of side note, I got exposed to all these different business ideas, all of these different concepts, because I had to digest them enough to be able to write up te- test questions for them. Right. And it really started me, I found myself reading those books 10 to 1 compared to the books in class that I was supposed to be reading, much to the dismay of my parents. But, you know, I was reading you know, how to make money or how to motivate people, how to how to expand your sales force, I mean, all these different things in, in, instead of maybe what I was supposed to be doing. But it was really kind of got me off on a particular track very early on in my life. Sure. It's amazing how those uh, jobs we have when we're younger, how they actually taught us a lot when we didn't realize it at the time. Yeah, yeah, and I, I was just, oh, this is okay, I read the book. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't as into it as I should have been. I think now, geez, I wish I were really, really soaked that in and had all that free time and, and you know, <laughs> I could have read 50 more books, but but I but that's I right. didn't. But that's I didn't. right, Chris. I think you turned out all right, man. All right. <laughs> 
Well, Kevin, I really appreciate you being on the the show today. We uh, were able to have you on for nearly a full hour here, and you were a wonderful guest. I hope that you'll come back again, and we, we can talk about some other things that are happening, especially if you get some great, some more great stories out of your, your group there. We'd love to have you come back. Oh, absolutely. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. You know, anytime that I, that can try to exude a little bit of value somehow, some way, you know, I'm happy to do it because I, we, we need guys like you who are willing to take time out of your day to do this kind of stuff, to spread the word, because you never know that one person that's going to listen to this thing and be like, oh, my gosh, that's the one piece of information that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And then they go have a really big impact on their community, and, and that's like that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And that's, I think that's the best we can ask for. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Kevin, for being on the show. Tune in next week at the same time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, for Talent Talk, brought to you by People G2. To hear, uh, we're going to have Don Gengali, uh, CEO of Home Union Services, and Kim Keen, the CEO of Wellness FX, which is a uh, Tim Ferriss uh, kind of backed company. And uh, uh, Kevin, before I, we officially let you go here, I did want to make sure we had a chance to ask you, how can people get a hold of you and find out more information if they're interested? Sure. Well, I'll give you a few different ways. Uh, one, I have no problems with people calling me. So my direct line, if you want to call me, is 414-315-5555. And that is my own personal uh, cell phone number. You can text me. It's amazing the people that text me on the north said, "Hey, I just I met you here. I met you there." Great way to communicate. They can also reach me by email, which is just Kevin at the Kowalki Group, and Kowalki is spelled K-O-W-A-L-K-E. Or you can uh, go check out ThursdayMorningThing.com. Uh, just as a heads up, the site is a uh, brand new site is being uploaded. So if you go there, you know, within the next couple of days, there might be an under construction sign. But uh, hopefully by this weekend, I'll be back up and running. Wonderful. Well, until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio Show brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping you with your people-related decisions. They do that by providing access to the best human capital, due diligence, and background checks on prospective candidates, business partners, and more.